This is Dr. Bob Patton. Welcome to Making Much of His Mission. His mission, of course, is to see many come to Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so we can't be with Jesus Christ. The Bible says further, The wages of sin is death. We are separated from Him and ultimately will go to hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He gives us this as a gift. We can't earn it, but we can receive it. For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become children of God. So as we receive Jesus Christ, he comes into our life, gives us his life, which is eternal life, and allows us to spend eternity with him. That is ultimately his mission. Let us all yield totally to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as our personal Savior. And now, the message for today. I am excited to give you this, the first lesson or the first message in making much of his mission. That name was deliberately chosen. We want to make much of the Lord Jesus and especially to make much of the mission that he has for us to do. And so let us make much for his mission. Today, I would like to introduce myself and also to give you a bit of an idea of where we're going and to give you an indication that the Lord has a very special plan for you as well as for me. In Psalm 32, verse 8, the Bible says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as a horse or the mule, which hath no understanding, whose mouth must be head in, with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. God promises you and me, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou wilt go. I see people looking to this person or that person for all sorts of advice. What should I do in the future? What should I invest in? They pay big money for some of these things. And yet... We can get the God of the universe, who loved us enough to send his son to die for us, who has total control of the universe, who knows the future and holds the future in his hand, to guide us precisely. Now, one of the advantages I have, as now I'm 77 years old, is I can look back farther than I could have when I was much younger, and I can see the hand of God working. And why is this important? Not because we say, well, God worked for him, but God will work for you too. When I was a little boy, three years of age, my parents felt called to go to China as missionaries. When we went there, this was in 1940, the Japanese were already moving into Manchuria towards Peking, where we were located. So they moved us to the Philippine Islands, which was supposed to be safe. Well, on December 7th, 1941, when Pearl Harbor was bombed, so was Clark Air Force Base, which was right outside where we were in Baguio, Philippine Islands. And the Japanese came, moved north as far as we were, captured us and placed us in a prisoner of war camp for 38 months. It was a very intense time. Uh, my mother almost died when she ended up being pregnant and having to have an emergency C-section. 
Fortunately, we were released by MacArthur just two weeks prior to the birth of my brother. We came back to the United States. I was a little kid of seven years of age at this point in time. And at age 11, I felt called to be a doctor, a missionary doctor in Africa. Oh, I, from time to time, had other ideas, but that idea never left. And although we were relatively poor by monetary standards, I was able to get uh, scholarships and work summer jobs and work through uh, school. And so I was able to get a good education at Hamilton College. Met my wife. We married. Then we went to uh, the University of Rochester, where she already was in a nursing program. uh, And she finished up there while I took my MD degree. After my MD degree, I stayed on for uh, eight additional years, two years in the public health service and six years of training. And finally, at age 33, after 16 years post high school, I was ready for my first real job. Now, I had written to a number of of schools, and I had said I am uh, interested in teaching, because by this time I was... uh, trained in cardiology and internal medicine. I uh, was already board certified in internal medicine and had four additional years of training in cardiology. I said, are you interested? Almost went to Nigeria when God intervened in a very unusual way. Suddenly I got pain down my uh, leg and my foot went numb and I knew that I had a disc with compression of nerve. This was a real problem because I couldn't wear the heavy lady aprons that we uh, used to have to do as cardiologists. And also, uh, I was afraid I'd have to have an operation. So I'm trying to recover, lying on my bed, uh, on my back for five weeks, wondering what's going to happen, and the phone rings. It turns out that my letter, which was going to these 20 schools in Africa, ended up being delayed and then arriving at a certain time in Liberia, West Africa. The head of the hospital, Dr. Togba, read my letter, wrote on the outside, I want this man, and sent it by private courier directly to the airport where a member from Agency for International Development was flying back to the States, and they had just made an agreement that they would have one administrator, one nursing person, one person for maintenance, and so forth, to help build a new medical school, and one physician, and he wanted me to be that physician. Well, the guy called me. He said, I want to offer you a position to be head of internal medicine at the at the John F. Kennedy Medical Center in Monrovia, Liberia. I said, well, I'm trained as a cardiologist. He said, yeah, but you're board certified internist. Think about it. Well, <clears throat> I didn't have a whole lot of other options, and so I thought, prayed, and decided this was what we should be doing. Well, we went to Liberia, and about two and a half years after there, I came to a rather startling decision. See, my folks had been missionaries, and I'd always gone to church, and I thought I was okay with God, but I found out that I was not saved. I had thought the way to go to heaven was to do enough good deeds and uh, not do a lot of bad things, and then you'd be okay. Well, I didn't cheat on my wife, and uh, 
I was basically uh, honest and pretty uh, good guy. And look, I went to Africa as a uh, medical doctor to help out there. What more do you want? Well, what the Lord wanted was me to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I finally realized that, knelt down at my bedside, and prayed for the Lord to come into my life. Now, a friend of mine who was a missionary had been praying for me for many months. He had witnessed to me, but I just kind of pushed him off to the side uh, with intellectual excuses. But that was not going to work anymore. The Lord came into my life and changed me. We began to see folks get saved. We got quite involved in uh, the church and uh, in outreach ministries. And then I just felt that it was time to come back to the United States. I had three options at the time. One was to go to a large training center uh, in uh, Milwaukee. Another was to stay in the public health service where I was at that time uh, with the option of uh, retiring after 13 years. By this time, I was only 38 years of age. So I'd have been only 51 uh, with being deputy chief of internal medicine at a large hospital for the public health service, knowing that the chief was retiring in six months. So I'd be basically chief after a phase-in period. Or to go to a little town called Berrien Springs and be second man out of two in a small hospital with a 40% pay cut and no academics. Well, it didn't make any sense, but I knew that the Lord wanted me to go to Berrien Springs. And so after a lot of struggle, I won't say that it didn't cause me struggle, we went there. When we arrived uh, and joined a uh, large Christian group, got involved in church, my kids were going to go to a um, Christian school, and so we sent them there. And after two and a half years or so, I really felt that I ought to move my membership and become a member of that church, which we did, and <clears throat> became very involved there. I was uh, ended up being deacon chairman. My wife and I each ran a bus route. I sang in the choir and uh, taught Sunday school to the adult Sunday school class, and I was a church counselor. Some people even thought that I was on staff there because I was there about 25 hours a week. Well, on a certain Wednesday night, Daryl Champlin came and preached, and I felt called to go to Suriname. He left some tracks. My wife picked up the tracks. We hadn't talked that night, but the next day the Lord broke her heart, and as we compared notes that night, both of us felt that this is where the Lord would have us to go. A few months later, we took our... Uh, youngest son and our uh, youngest daughter to go with us. Our older two girls were getting married that year, and we looked at the place, decided this is indeed what the will of the Lord was, and my original plan was to go into the interior along the Tapanahone River, uh, riding the rapids and doing other exciting things, but I was going to start clinics along the interior, and then I was going to um, start a church where I had a clinic. And the plan seemed to be a pretty good one, and people seemed to be enthused. However, when we talked with uh, the people that were involved, the group there, Metazebs, said, join us. And Metazebs is not exactly what you would call a fundamental group. Uh, it was a very ecumenical with a lot of unsaved people, and my Bible says that you're not to be unequally yoked with unsaved. So we said, what should we do? Well, Daryl Champlin, uh, who, who had preached and I got called, uh, said, hey, let's go to the city. You used to teach. We went to the city, and then one day we went to the, and saw the dean of the medical school, the head of the hospital, 
the head of the uh, Interior Mission and the Secretary of, of uh, Health, and every one of them said, come to the city and teach. I was surprised that some of them said that, but they explained, if you go in the interior, you'll do well for taking care of the patients, but you will undermine our system there. So we decided, well, if that's the will of the Lord, let's do it. Came back, and two years later, where there we were, in Suriname, and uh, I taught in medicine in the mornings, loved it, and then I started a church and learned two languages, Surinantongo and Dutch, during the first uh, five years. And then the Lord spoke again and made it very clear what I should do. Now, my wife had said, uh, she said, Bob, why don't you just uh, retire from the internal medicine? Because we had five good internists. I mean, these guys were really sharp, and gal, were very sharp, but they just hadn't had the number of years that they wanted for uh, someone to take senior position and training the medical students. Well, by the time I was there five years, <clears throat> they had all had five years of experience. They were fully capable, but I didn't want to listen. The next morning, I tried to get up out of bed, and wow, that same disc pain that I'd had almost 20 years earlier, right down to my toe, back it was. And so, because of that, I said, hmm, I think the Lord is giving a message, but I didn't want to listen. Well, I was lying on the bed, feeling kind of sorry for myself, and suddenly there was a, a, a knock on the door. And in came Brother Andre Galone. Well, Brother Galone, I had taught to read. And Brother Galone says, I came to pray for you. I said, thank you very much. And he said, by the way, Domini, that's what they call me. Domini means pastor. You know why you're sick? And I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. I taught you to read, and I'm the professor of medicine. You're going to tell me why I'm sick? But I didn't say that. It's not polite. And I said, why am I sick? He said, you're because you're one man, and you're trying to be two men. Now, that is a typical Odo that the Bush Negroes will use, a way of speaking, a proverb. I said, I don't understand. What do you mean? He said, you're trying to be a pastor, and you're trying to be a doctor, and you can't do both. That's why you're sick. <laughs> well, I didn't care for his diagnosis, I can tell you. Well, he left, and a few hours later, another knock came on the door, and in came another fellow, Kolai Amafo, and Kolai hadn't been in church for a little bit, and uh, he said, I came to pray for you. I said, well, thank you very much. And afterwards, he looked at me and he said, do you know why you're sick? And I had this sinking feeling in my heart. And he said, you're sick because you're one man and you're trying to be two men. And I knew that God had sent them because those men hadn't met. Well, I had to make a decision. I decided I'd better listen to God. Resigned to the hospital. They were sad and I was sad. and God was glad. Uh, and uh, so... At this point, I'd been very interested in doing some translation work for Cernan Tongo, but I'd never done some, and I, I figured, well, when I retire, I'll take time to do that. Well, it turns out that uh, at that point in time, now suddenly I had five hours a day of quote-unquote free time that is the time I'd use to train. And so I started working on the translation a short time later, Wycliffe had started uh, decided to do the entire translation, uh, but I would not have dared to attempt this 
except that I was already started. And when I talked to them, I saw that our philosophy was a bit different. I was thinking originally maybe I could work with them and maybe I could be of help, but it really wasn't going to work out. So we just kept on going. Developed a technique where I would translate, and then two of my preacher boys that we had trained would correct the translation, each independently, give me back their independent uh, corrections. I would combine the two with mine and then give a second better copy to two other young men. They did the same thing, and then I would give the copy of the corrected, corrected version to two others who did the same thing, and so we had a corrected, corrected, corrected version. After that, I took the two very best of our people, uh, Sister Anita Aidling, who actually had worked for Wycliffe for a number of years, was superb, and um, she helped me, and Brother uh, Mikhail Raffenberg, who is now the senior pastor of the main church where I was, who was trained as a lawyer, so he used very good with words as well as with language, and we spent four additional years just going over and over. I think we went over about a, another uh, three or four times the entire Bible before it was done. And it has been well received, and at the present time it's in its fourth printing, and from what I've been told, is the most sold Bible in Suriname for which we praise the Lord. Now, another thing that happened was at the time that I was trying to decide about resigning from medicine after Kolai Amafo and uh, Brother Galone had talked to me, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I would like a sign to know that I'm in your will because resigning medicine is hard for me. And I'd asked him to get into the national radio station and be able to speak between 6.15 and 6.30. You see, between 6 and 6.15, most of the announcements in the country are made in Dutch, but during that time, the people who speak Surinantango, and our people speak Surinantango, and that's a national uh, language in many ways, Nusu Nani Surinantango, 6 to 6.15. Then after 6.30, there were the death announcements in all our Bush Negroes had to listen to those. So it was kind of a captive 15-minute period that they had music. I said, Lord, let me have that 15 minutes. I walked into SRS, the national radio station, didn't know a soul. And I walked out with a contract 15 minutes, Monday through Friday, exactly those times. And we were on the air, and we've been on uh, radio broadcast for well over 20 years at this time. The other thing that happened that was rather striking is I had been talking to one of my uh, uh, national colleagues, um, uh, Brother Carlo Palata, and I said, Carlo, uh, I said, we need to start a second church. You need to be uh, thinking about that. Well, he kept putting it off, putting it off. Just after I resigned, he comes to me and said, I'm ready to start a church. I said, okay, where? I said, He said, Winty Why? I said, okay, um, you're the pastor, I'm your assistant, let's go. And so we started church number two. And then... As the Lord developed things and other people came along, we uh, saw church number three and church part of uh, church number three started, and then after uh, several years, church number four in uh, Sunny Point uh, started as well. <clears throat> we had the opportunity to see sixteen pastors trained, and gradually the programs increased. Uh, after a number of years, <clears throat> we decided to give a go to uh, try and get on uh, television. 
and so we made our own radio pro, our own TV programs rather, with my colleague uh, Bob Rasmussen, who proved to be an expert at computer work, especially with Final Cut Pro. And so I would do the talking, and he would make it live, and he would make it wonderful. And eventually, after that while, we even added a second program. So we were on twice a week, 15 minutes a day. Uh, the first 15 minutes uh, program was chronological, starting from creation, working straight through to the end of Revelation. And the second one was doctrinal, since we found many people lacked doctrine. Well, this went along, and things were going really quite well for a number of years. And then suddenly one day, God spoke again. And I had been wondering about the, when I was going to be turning things over to the Nationals and how this all was going to work out. But uh, I was dropping off my car and walking back, and suddenly I got some squeezing chest pain. And at first I thought this was just an uh, esophageal spasm or something of that sort, but it was not. And that evening it became quite apparent it was getting worse and worse. I went into the hospital, uh, had a documented small heart attack, and... Um, the next uh, day, the cardiologist walks in. He said, I um, have good news for you, Dr. Um, Umra Singh is in town. Well, I didn't know what that meant, but it turns out that uh, the Japanese government had just completed a state-of-the-art cath lab, and they were going to use the Caribbean and, Jonif and the uh, medical center where we were as the center. And Dr. Umra Singh was sent from Belgium to try it out, and he just happened to arrive uh, a day before my heart attack. How convenient. Well, the next day he arrived, he did his thing, and afterwards they said, I've got good news and bad news. I said, what's that? He said, the good news is that, um, that technically everything went very well. The bad news is you two need three or four stents, and um, the ones we have here clot 20% of the time. Well, that was not very good news. So I said, can you bring them in? He said, yes. I said, do they have different sizes? He said, yes. I said, oops, that's a problem. And they were $1,500 a throw, and you can't just have 10 or 15 or 20 assorted sizes that you just are going to bring in. So they medevaced me. I went to Cleveland Clinic uh, by um, Learjet, small and fast, and uh, they corrected my problem, put in four stents, and... Uh, that was, I arrived on Friday, Sat, Sunday they, uh, they did their tests, Monday they put in the stents, Tuesday I was home, uh, and Wednesday I asked my wife, I said, we do have um, coverage for this Medivac, don't we? And she said, no. And I said, oh, because we used to have it before, but apparently they had found it too expensive and had dropped it. I said, well, how much is it? 20000 I thought it was a pretty generous figure. She said, no. I said, well, how much was it? She said, 62400 At that point, I was very glad I had my stents already in place. But the Lord worked everything out. And within a year, that money was totally paid off. And actually, financially, it showed us that we could live on a lot less than I thought we could. And it's enabled us to do some things that we could not at all do. Furthermore, after that, uh, I go back to uh, Suriname after six weeks, working full-time, and uh, the first time I get there, a guy shoots up his hand and says, Domini, he said, you're going to sell all our churches and leave? I said, no, no, no. But I realized now is the time I have to start to train to phase out. And so we did. And over a period of a few years, we phased everything out. 
uh, so that we were able to turn everything over to the nationals. They're doing fine. In fact, the church with a new pastor is growing, growing faster than when I was there, and we praise the Lord for that. And we're now at Crown College where I've been able to teach for the last uh, three and a half years, and we are thrilled to be here. Now, what does all this say? As I look back, I can see the hand of God working in providence. And he says, I will instruct thee and lead thee, and pardon, teach thee in the way that thou go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as a horse or a mule that has no understanding. He also says the meek he will guide in, in judgment. And as I look back, I can see the hand of the Lord working. It's very exciting to see how the Lord himself is interested in me and in helping me to serve him. But that's not so important. What's important is the Lord is interested in you. He is interested in your yielding yourself to him. Now, some of you may say, well, you know, Bob, if I'm telling you the truth, I was, I'm really like how you were before you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, uh, if that's the case, the solution is pretty obvious, and that is to accept the Lord. We need to recognize, as I mentioned early in the introduction, that we're all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You are a sinner, I am a sinner. <clears throat> we have sinned against a holy God who cannot tolerate sin. Secondly, the wages of sin is death. Death means separation, not annihilation. Physical death, <clears throat> our body and our spirit are separated. Spiritual death, our spirit and God's spirit are, dead, are separated. And that ultimately leads to hell. But it doesn't stop there. The wages of sin is death, but, praise the Lord for the but, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. You can't buy it, but you can accept it. And that's all you can do with a gift. God showed his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, for all who receive him, to all them that receive him, to them gives he power to become children of God, even then to who believe on his name. For if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. And so what we need to do is we need to totally trust him, ask him to come into our lives and save his. When we do that, he promises to come in, wash away our sins, and save us. But he does more than that. <clears throat> he exchanges our sin for his righteousness. That allows us to be fit for heaven and to go before God. And we don't have to fear that we're going to be condemned and go to hell. And furthermore, his spirit lives in us and allows us to do things that we never could do before. I can remember struggling with how many things that I could not, I would try and do my best, I would get mad or this or that, and now I find, okay, I still slip. Sure, I am still human, but the Lord is there, and when I yield to him, I am enabled to live and allow his life to live through me. And I have the assurance of eternal life. Furthermore, I have his guidance in my life day by day. You can have that, too, that guidance, too. That's my hope for you.
And so I'm thrilled to be able to be with us uh, here and to be able to share this with you and also to pray that you indeed will accept the Lord if you haven't. And if you have, that you will yield yourself totally to him and allow him to do exactly what he says, that he will instruct us, lead us, teach us in the way that we should go. It's a wonderful life. May the Lord bless you. And a final reminder, what we cannot do in our own strength, he can do through us. So as we try to apply what we've learned today, let us yield it to him and ask him to live his life through us. And once again, this is Dr. Bob Patton from Making Much of His Missions, wishing you a blessed day. God bless you.